This is the Midlife Motorheads Podcast. Listen in as we talk about our automotive adventures in the shop, on the road, and at the track. So climb on in, tighten those belts, and let's go for a ride. We are the Midlife Motorheads. And now, broadcasting from Motorhead Central, somewhere in the Carolinas, is the hosts of the show, Gene and Trotty. All right, and welcome to another episode of the Midlife Motorhead Podcast. On today's show, Gene does an interview with a performance specialist for a car that, well, most people don't even think is a performance car. But with the right modification and parts from our guest... You can transform your ordinary sedan into a car that's very respectable for the street and the track. They're cheap, they're plentiful, and it's the platform that we chose to race in the Tire Rack Champ Car Endurance Series. It's the Ford Crown Victoria. Gene? So we met Chris while researching performance parts for our Crown Victoria race car that incidentally will be the Champ Car event in Daytona on Saturday, April 13th, 2019. Chris is a well-respected supplier of performance parts for the Crown Victoria and modular Mustangs, among other models. Chris, thanks again for being with us. No problem. Glad to be on. Perfect. Tell us about yourself and how you got started in automotive performance. Uh, Well, I've always been into cars uh, ever since I was little. Matchbox cars, Hot Wheels cars, and then as I got older... The toys got more expensive, got into RC cars, and spent entirely too much money on that. And then once I got a real car, it was, uh, hold on tight, it was nonstop cars. All of my friends were car guys, and, um, you know, we we didn't do anything with sports. We, you know, went to football games, but it was mainly just to show off the cars. So it was uh, cars, 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 and <laughs> to this day, it's still cars, cars, cars. Um my dad had a 68 vet when I was growing up that he tinkered with on the weekends. And so I was always out there with him. And I think he's the main reason why I've got the performance car bug. And, uh, I mean, I, I remember working on it in the garage on the weekends and just the thrill of going out and him just standing on the gas, the thing screaming upper RPMs and, the wind in my hair and all that, it was, uh, it, it changed me for sure. And then, uh, as I got older, I've always loved cars. And so working in the automotive industry, selling performance parts, I was a service writer for a while and managed, uh, a couple independent shops, just autumn, you know, automotive repair shops. And it was always performance though. So whenever something cool came in, it was, you know, the Honda Civic can wait. Let's, let's go check out the hot rod. Let's go see what this guy's doing. And so like problem solving, creating fuel systems and like geeking out on billet parts and stuff like that has always just been what got me going. So, um, ADTR just grew because I loved cars and performance so much that, uh, you know, I, I luckily now able to do it full time and able to make it sustain life and me be able to, you know, play with cars basically all day. So it's, it's a cool gig. So you're, you're the owner of ADTR. 
ADTR.net. Tell us, tell us what does ADTR stand for and, and, and what do you do? Okay. Well, um, back when my friends and I started it, um, ADTR actually stood for Angry Duck Tofu Racing. Um, we weren't really taken seriously. Um, ADR was a, a wheel company. We had originally said ADR was going to be the, the company, uh, Angry Duck Racing. And then when we saw that ADR was a wheel company, we knew that that wasn't going to work. So my friends uh, one night decided after watching, um, oh, what was it? Uh, oh, the uh, Initial D, a show, uh, a Japanese anime about a drifting car in a tofu shop. And so I, when they said that and that they had already basically thought this was the best thing ever, uh, I, I kind of cringe because I knew that nobody was going to take us seriously. So um, I always went by ADTR and that was back in 2001. So everybody has known us as ADTR for so long. Everybody always asks, but the uh, it actually stands for all day to race now. None of my uh, friends are no longer involved. It's, it's me and... Uh, I kind of cleaned it up to make it uh, a little bit more professional. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So um, your business is centered around the Crown Victoria. Why the Crown Victoria? It seems like an odd choice for a performance vehicle. It is. Um, the, the main reason was my first car is a 92 Crown Victoria. So my parents were very nice and were able to give me a car, but as a kid growing up, that was never enough. Um, you know, all my friends had a classic Mustang and I of course wanted to sell the car that they got me and get something cool and loud and old and fast. And they said, no. So, um, I said, well, could I modify it? Can I do stuff to it? And they're like, sure. I mean, what's he going to do to a crowd Victoria? So uh, luckily, the 4.6 liter motor was the same motor that was used in the Mustangs. And we were able to find some things here and there. But as I have grown with the company, the company's gotten bigger. We've done more things. We're now working with suppliers to make performance parts for the Crown Vicks, um, which is a really cool niche market. There weren't really there weren't many parts that could be put on a crown Vic except for like the 4.6 specific stuff that they make for the Mustangs. Um, and so now I've been able to work with Vortec and I'm now making a supercharger system. Um, we worked with stainless works and got them to make long tube headers for all of the different years. So um, to be able to help, the smaller market that had no support and be able to get them the parts that they want and need. Um, it's kind of cool to, to really be like the one-stop shop, even though it is a small niche market. I'm, I am, well, I'm really the only one that caters specifically to the crown Vicks. And so I think everybody looks at that and sees all the cool stuff we have and, you know, hopefully the cars that are out there that have our stuff on it get more people interested in the, in the platform 
because it is a good, inexpensive car. It's rear wheel drive and you can make anything fast. Um, you know, sometimes it's just easier than others. Sure. And, and there's following the crowd and there's doing something a little differently. You mentioned, um, developing products. Can you walk us through like what's involved in developing a product like a supercharger or a sway bar or something like that? Sure. Well, our main thing was always modifying our cars. I can't leave anything stock. So except for my daily driver, which I told the wife that I'd leave it stock. And if she's listening, it's stock, uh, but it's not really, but it's stock. Um, <laughs> I will always modify a car. And so if there's a part that I want to put on the car that I think will get a lot of attention or that the market may want, then I will develop it on my car. If it doesn't sell, then, oh, well, I at least have the part on my car. And if it does sell, then great. I now have one more part that's I've brought to market for the Crown Vic specifically. So like the supercharger system, it's not as easy as just taking Mustang parts and putting it on to have a bolt on, for lack of better terms, turnkey system. There's a lot of thought that goes into it. All of the stuff that I use is not just the cheapest stuff. So can you make something for a Crown Vic for less? Of course. If somebody goes out and, you know, gets bits and pieces off of junkyard cars and stuff like that, you can always make things cheaper. But we try and have a, you know, repeatable parts list so that every kit that goes out is the exact same. There's no variances. It's all the same parts that we know fit and that we know work well. So we kind of looked at what the Mustang stuff had. We knew that we wanted an air-to-air -air intercooler because of our experiences with water-to-air on surface streets that, you know, it heats up the uh, the water. It doesn't cool down as much, uh, or I guess as consistently, but it's fantastic for track use. But since the majority of our customers are going to be street guys just wanting more power, we did an air-to-air. -air. So then we started looking at what Mustang kits had and then making something ourselves. So we use a Vortec head unit. We use the Vortec bracketry for the specific year car. And then we'll make intercooler piping to go off of that. So we use, you know, T-bolt style clamps. We use good silicone. Like we use the Primo stuff because that's what we use on our car because we don't want failures. We don't want people coming back saying, you know what, Chris, I paid all this money and this is, this is a garbage kit. Well, no, it's well thought out. It has everything in it that you need other than a computer tune. And, you know, we have sold a lot of supercharger si systems, a lot more than I expected. Um, and I mean, with the, like the six speed manual transmission swap kit that we uh, created with a T56 Magnum, it was simply because my transmission on my 04 police interceptor uh, Casper was on its way out. It was always kind of funny when I got it. And then once I threw the supercharger on it, it was like screaming bloody murder. No, stop, stop. So, 
it, it was, okay, well, let's find something. A manual would be fantastic because I had a, a 90 notch back that I loved it. Just being in control and being able to decide, okay, I'm going to drive it nice or I'm not going to drive it nice. And with a supercharger, you can be in that boost range where the boost comes on and hits hard. And it just makes it so much fun to drive. So we're like, let's do a T56. What needs to be done? And at that point, there were a couple of people that had done it. And I mean, some of them still aren't running just because they're ongoing projects and life gets in the way. And, um, you know, I, I talked to some of them and then we just kind of pulled the automatic transmission out and cut a hole in a perfectly good floor and, and went to town. So but it was like we knew that we needed to do something for our car. And. We've sold, I think, like 10 of them so far, which, I mean, when you think how expensive it is, I'm surprised that that many people did it. But it's like, well, hey, I did it for my car. It's repeatable. If anybody wants it, it's here. So it's it's cool to see that products that I was going to make for myself, no matter what, have now helped other people, you know, make their cars more enjoyable. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's exciting stuff putting together those uh those kits and, and sending them that sending them out to people who uh who want to sort of follow your lead. And as we speak, um in, in the shop we've got uh, our automatic transmission sitting on the floor and, and a five speed going in. So we bought your swap kit and we're real excited about that. The first time we ran our car on a racetrack, we actually ran it with the automatic. Um we we had a, a group of guys, kind of an eclectic group of guys, going out for our first race, and and one of them was really not comfortable with with a uh, a manual transmission in a race situation. So we uh, we went with the automatic that was already in the car. But this time, uh, when we go to Daytona, we're definitely going to have that five speed swap, and and we're extremely satisfied with the kit, Chris. It just it came with everything, and it looks like it's basically plug and play. And we're we're very excited about uh, getting that thing finished in the next day or so. You um you mentioned your clients. Um, tell, what's your typical client like? Like like when you get when the phone rings, what, what's that guy like? What's he doing? Um, well, he he definitely's got a couple screws loose because he's trying to make you know a two ton car <laughs> handle and go fast. So we we fully appreciate that because we're right there with him. But um, they're normally um. You've got a, a definitely a big year range. You've got some of the guys that are first car, cheap, inexpensive car, and want a million horsepower. And then they realize that, unfortunately, this car is not inexpensive to modify. I mean, there are some things that you can do to make it more enjoyable. But if you're wanting a million horsepower, you need to have a pretty decent bankroll. Um, and so with those guys, we tend to push suspension stuff gears, exhaust, kind of some of the more bolt-on stuff, um, which make the car so much more enjoyable to drive. I mean, being able to throw it into a corner and not feel like you're going to be launched out the window um, makes it fun. And it doesn't matter how fast the car is at that point, you know, a 100 horsepower car with sway bars and some suspension modifications that handles like it's on rails feels like it's significantly faster than it is. Um, and then we've got guys that are, you know, this is a family car, but they're not going to get a minivan. They're not going to give up. Um, <laughs> and, uh, 
and they need something that can hold more people, but yet it's still got a V8. It still can be made fun. And so they'll do a lot of the same kind of bolt-on stuff to make it more enjoyable and hopefully not piss off the wife. Um, and then I've got other guys that are just like balls to the wall crazy. Um, you know, I've got guys that open track it. I've got guys that, you know, do Canyon runs. I've got guys that make them into full on drag cars and, you know, are trying to, <laughs> trying to go a million miles an hour and a quarter miles. So, um, it, it definitely is a, is a weird group of guys and gals. We do have some ladies. Um, but for the most part, it's, they're really into the car. They enjoy being a little different and it not just being a Mustang. It's, we just look at it as an obese Mustang basically, because it's, that's all it is. It's just a little different and it's, it's nice to be different and kind of stand out. Yeah. So, um, to what, walk us through like the logical phases of taking a stock, um, P71 chassis and, and kind of what's, what would you do first, second? What, what what are your recommendations when someone calls you on the phone? I always like starting with something to kind of get your feet wet. So everybody always is like, how can I get more horsepower? How can I get more horsepower? And it all goes back to my what I said earlier is it doesn't matter if you have 100 horsepower or not. If the car handles really well, you can throw it around like it's got a lot of horsepower and enjoy driving the car. So. I recommend starting with like the rear control arms, uh, the sway bars, the Watts link and have like a good foundation before you start throwing a ton of horsepower at it. Yeah. Chris, you, you mentioned the trailing arms. They're, they're beautiful. I, I really got to just give you a compliment on those. When we unboxed them in the garage and the car was up on the lift and, and we took them out, we almost didn't want to put them on the car. They were so pretty. I mean, they're just jewels and everything was packaged really well the nut certs were on there it just excuse me the the grease zerks were on there is just beautiful package so congratulations on a wonderful product well thank you very much yeah they are it's really cool when you compare them side by side and you can see just the, the difference between the stock stamp steel control arm versus the billet ones it's like wow okay that's going to make a difference yeah, it's they're they're fantastic. So, you you recommend upgrading the suspension as sort of like step one. What what gets us to like phase two, step two? Um, I mean exhaust. If you can get away with long tube headers, I know some states frown upon modifying things too far, but you know long tube headers, exhaust would be I'd say stage two. I mean that and rear gears. You know, if if it's a daily driver, get 373 gears and, I mean, get the thing accelerating from a stop. And then from there, then you can start talking about engine performance and figuring out how far you want to go and, and you know, how how deep you want to get into it. Sure. So what's what's your best selling item of, of across the, the, the board? Probably probably suspension stuff. I think suspension stuff is what we're known the most for because we have so much stuff available now. So the sway bars are, you know, our brand sway bars. We reached out to Ibach and had them 
produce bars for us. So the quality that we're getting out of them is fantastic. Um, I mean, powder coated pieces, energy suspension, polyurethane bushings, like really good quality stuff. So um, it, it, it puts the competition. I mean, you compare the two side by side and it's like, well, gee, which one do I want on my car? Obviously the ADTR ones. So uh, those yeah. are big sellers. The, the billet rear, rear trailing arms, probably just because I point everybody to those first because they make a noticeable difference, not just in cornering ability, but also on acceleration. The car doesn't squat as much on acceleration. It just goes. And whether you're building, you know, an 800 horsepower car or just it's, you know, a bolt on car with a couple little things thrown at it. That is a great modification, and it'll work with the car for really whatever you decide to do with it. Um, and then, really, the only other the other big seller uh, that I'm surprised is selling as well as it is is the the coilover package that we have for these things. The adjustability is amazing. You know, we use Ride Tech components, so they're Fox shocks that have like a million and one mile warranty. And, you know, guys, I think, are just tired of dealing with lowering springs that don't give the car the advertised drop that they want. And so this gives them the adjustability, all the adjustability in the world. You know, it's got rebound settings on the shocks. You can raise and lower the vehicle. And if you're really not happy with the ride, it uses the two and a half inch uh, inner diameter coilover spring that there's a gazillion different choices out there. So you can fine tune everything, um, which more and more people are doing that, which is it's really great to see these things flying off the shelf. Yeah, we we, we haven't gone that far yet with with the race car, but I was uh Sitting on the couch last night, actually watching a little bit of YouTube. No, it actually was Motor Train Television. And I see Tony and Lucky walking around the shop with, with those things, installing them on the crown hick. So you've got, uh, you've got a high-profile customer there. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was kind of a cool deal. They reached out to me in the beginning when they were doing the body and frame swap and putting a complete Crown Vic engine transmission drivetrain and frame under a i think it's like a 60 f100 pickup and so they called it the crown hick and there's a lot of people that are doing similar swaps um complete frame swaps not just the front crossover you know the the front um you know engine cradle cross member in the front they're just doing the whole thing so they have the better brakes they have all of the modern stuff with an old body, which is really a cool combo. And so they did the Metco Watts link, the heinous control arms, our sway bars originally, along with the stainless works, long tubes and exhaust and a couple other odds and ends. And then they drove it. They, they, they love the truck. Then they put a Vortec on it. Our full system didn't fit because of the clearances with the F100 body not having as big of a nose as the Crown Vic. So they couldn't do our air-to-air -air system, but they worked with Vortec and made something work. And they used it for a long time. And then the transmission was kind of questionable. They just parked it. 
And then they're like, you know what? No, let's let's revive it. Let's bring it back. And so then they reached out to me again and I set them up with the coilover system and they seem to be pretty happy with it. I talked to Lucky at the zip tie drags in Tucson and he said, you know, the ride is he's pretty happy with it. They've definitely got some more fine tuning that they need to do with it. But um, overall, the fit and finish was really good and they were happy with how it all went on so i'm really happy that it's getting so much publicity off of that um and more and more people are seeing it and buying them so that's fantastic yeah i think they mentioned you by name like four times during the episodes which was kind of interesting I'm like i'm going to talk to him tomorrow and that was great <laughs> now crown hick right so the, the hot rod guys are are real especially the roadkill group they're they're real famous for their their vehicle nicknames, and you kind of snuck one in the conversation here. You talked about Casper a little bit. Tell us what what's again what's Casper? Sure, uh, Casper is our 2004 police interceptor. It's an all white uh, Crown Vic, and I've always liked the the California Highway Patrol, the commercial enforcement vehicles that they're all white white trim like all the chrome is painted white it sneaks up behind you and even with the big obnoxious crown uh, the chp push bumper it still sneaks up behind you and the next thing you know they're right behind you and it it kind of scares the crap out of you um they just look really cool i think and so when we got this car i i needed a project car to build our supercharger system and develop it and um, so I needed an O3 plus car. I found this car and I'm like, okay, let's make, you know, a CHP clone, not to be out there to, you know, scare people necessarily, but it gets a lot of attention. And so, you know, at car shows, this car gets so much attention that, you know, my other project car, which I'll talk about later, that has like twice the horsepower just gets overlooked as everybody goes and looks at this cop car. They're like, Whoa, what is that? You know? Um, so looks wise, it looks like an all white CHP car, but we've got it lowered aggressively with our coilover system. It's got every single handling modification you can throw at it. Uh, it's got our supercharger system that we developed on it. It's got our six speed manual swap kit that we developed on it. It's got uh, widened steel wheels in the back, so it still looks like a police car with the police steelies. But if you really look at it, you go, wait a minute, that's not stock. And, you know, you look inside, the interior looks like stock. It's got racing buckets, but they've been recovered to look like stock with the stock material. And then, I mean, even the console is painted to match and... It you know you you have to look at it and every once in a while at a car show somebody will be like walking by and then they'll do the double take and then they'll look at it closer and they'll go those back tires those things are way wider than they should be stock and then they'll look inside and they go wait a minute those are racing buckets they look what is what's going on here and then they see the stick and they're like oh my gosh this thing is awesome so uh, I like understated and stealthy and. Yes, it's low, but it's basically a pissed off CHP car. That's what it looks like. And um, because it's all white, not very original, but we called it Casper. And everybody just loves that car. That car has been so good for the business. Um, everywhere it goes, people see it 
and, you know, instantly know the car. I mean, I've had a couple of customers that are good friends in Southern California go to a car show and they have a, you know, a white crown Vic, but it's not all whited out, but they're like, is this Casper? And he's like, no, this is, this is definitely not Casper. You know, he was kind of surprised that somebody would come up and ask about Casper. I mean, I'm blown away. Like who, who follows crown Vicks, but apparently people do. So, um, our other car is, um, the rocket couch, which a lot of people, um, used to follow. And because I've been taking it to such an extreme level, the, um, the car has just been holding down my garage floor and hasn't really seen the light of day in a while. So hopefully that'll come up and, um, you know, at a car show, hopefully more people will be recognizing that one when I do end up taking that out once I finish it. So, so Chris, I, I, I got to stop you there. Like this is the best, I, I think the best car nickname I've heard in a very long time, the rocket couch. And, and if anybody listening were to Google you, Chris Adams and, and your, your company, they'll, they'll, they'll find an article that I think is on the hot rod magazine webpage about the rocket couch. So you, you've got a couple of connections there with, with hot rod magazine. Tell us about the, the origins of, of the rocket couch name. Tell us how that came to be. Sure. So like I mentioned earlier, my, my first car was that 92 crown Victoria. And, uh, I had that in high school. It was my first car is my baby. Uh, and so as, as long as I can, God willing, I will never, ever have to sell her. We've had, you know, far too many memories. Um, it's a maroon, 92 crown victoria so it's the older body style uh the 92 was the first year that they went to the aero body so it's it's not the big old boxy style but it's uh it's kind of got a weird look because 92 is the only year that doesn't have a grill so it looks like an obese taurus um but uh there's a little bit of crown vic uh (laughs) nerding out so sorry about that but basically, uh, you know, it's it's a car that I built just to have fun with, and it and it escalated like all builds do very quickly. You know, we we started with well, let's just do a a, a PI head swap, which is putting the the newer Ford modular heads on the older engines and get a bump in compression, and you know, it'd be like eh, two eighty, three hundred rear wheel horsepower somewhere in that neighborhood and make it more enjoyable to drive and then my friend found a Paxton Novi 2000 centrifugal supercharger and we all know it's like oh well that's a good deal it's let's do it and so then next thing you know it's one thing after another it just gets to be so much of a frankenstein uh and now <laughs> the the current uh plan is to build the motor to handle a ridiculous amount of boost. I'm going to end up getting a bigger supercharger because the Novi 2000 isn't going to support enough. And we're hoping for, eh, like I'm not going to jinx it, but hopefully like around 900 horsepower to the tire. Um, I want to go for the fastest Crown Vic title, which right now is, I think, like a 9.2 in the quarter mile. But he's cheating. He put a turbo ls in it so um 
I mean, I guess he's not really cheating. He's just doing the Chevy motor in a Ford, which I, I'm not a big fan of, but he is getting results. So I'm doing the Ford in a Ford, and I'm hoping that I can have enough power on tap to where I can leave it a full interior, leather wrap my cage, and give him the finger as I'm going past. So we'll see how that goes. So keeping it all blue oval, no bow tie in that in that blue oval, huh? Yeah, no, no bow tie. I'm I'm fine with Chevy. I'm fine with Dodge. I'm fine with Ford. But mixing them, uh, I'm not really a fan of that. So uh, different strokes for different folks. And like I said, you know, at at the end of the day, if it gets people interested in the car, and everybody's LS swapping it, whatever, then I'll make LS swap, uh, you know, conversion kits. But you know, getting more people to see the cars. Uh, and kind of giving people thoughts of, oh, hey, that's a good idea. I could get a, you know, inexpensive rear wheel drive, full frame V8 car, and I can modify it. Like, that sounds like a great idea. So hopefully, <laughs> you know, with that project, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be able to <laughs> earn the title of, you know, Panther Performance <laughs> Specialist. I mean, I feel like if I'm going to be saying that i am the guru i should at least have something in the fight so uh yes we'll see how it goes yeah you, you mentioned talking to lucky at zip tie uh, any plans to uh to be a drag week are we going to see it a drag week here in the near future <laughs> uh strangely enough uh i am actually working with a customer right now uh he's registered for drag week this year so um new development i am going to be his co-pilot and at least be able to go to drag week because i've always loved drag week and wanted to go but uh the rocket couch is definitely not going to go this year um it's always on the opposite side of the united states since i'm in southern california it's not saying that it's not doable but to tow the vehicle across the United States to the South or wherever that they decide to do it and then do drag week and then tow all the way home. Uh, that sounds a little bit of a stretch. So um, I've got to get a lot of seat time in the rocket couch before I go doing something like that. So I'm not saying no, never, but uh, definitely not this year in my car, but I will be there in some capacity. <laughs> well, good. Well, maybe the listeners will, will seek you out. So um, tips on buying a Crown Vic. You got everybody excited about buying a Crown Vic now. So what, what should we look for in buying a, a good used Crown Vic? Um, well, I, I would start with a 2003 and newer Crown Vic. They come with that aluminum front cross member, rack and pinion steering. The 06 and newer Crown Vics come with more horsepower, or I guess basically 06 to 11 is the same horsepower. Um, and it has all of the good suspension. Six, uh, 2006 also got the 17-inch steel wheels, which is at least from a performance standpoint better than 16-inch wheels. So um, I, I would personally say 06 plus. And... You know, just do the usual thing when you're looking at cars. Look for oil leaks. Look for smoke on startup. Uh, these cars are notorious for transmission issues. 
So, you know, go drive the car around 40 miles an hour and see if it shudders when it goes into overdrive. Um, but I mean, if you're going to buy the car to modify it, depending on how crazy your, your mod plan is, you can get a cheap car that's beat up and go through it. I mean, if you're going to replace struts and, and suspension components and going to do, you know, make it a handling car, you're going to be going through all of that stuff anyway. Who cares if it's got a million miles on it? You're going to rebuild all that. If uh, if you're going to make it a drag car and go through the motor and build something crazy, who cares if it's got a running motor? Um, you know, you're you're in it for the body and the frame and all of that. So, you know, if it doesn't have a body, or I mean, if it doesn't have an engine and a transmission, it, it's it's that much cheaper. So, you know, you can spend anywhere from. I mean, I've had customers say they got them for like two hundred dollars at a at an auction, and I've had others say that they've spent eleven grand for a perfect pristine car. So, it totally depends on what you want out of the car and how far you want to go with it. Yep. We paid $500 for our car, drove it home and the transmission quit in the driveway, <laughs> but uh, it was a great, <laughs> a great jumping off point for us. So one quick question, and then, then I'll ask you to, to give us all your contact information. Do people really modify town cars? Yes. Although not as much as I would like. Um, I would love to build one. I, I have uh, one customer that purchased one that was already done, but it has a complete 0304 Cobra Terminator engine swap with Eaton Supercharger, the whole nine yards. The thing's awesome. Um, and you've got all of the luxury stuff that you know, the police interceptor does not have. Um, they're built on the same chassis. They're basically the same cars except nicer so there's no reason why the majority of the products that we sell they'll work on there i mean the only thing would be if you have like the longer wheelbase the livery version the the you know the catback system would have to be modified but all of it's doable i mean really with anything with the car if you want to do something with the car it's it's definitely doable it just depends on how much you want to spend. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've got a couple customers that are almost ready to pull the trigger on a supercharger system. And I would love to see one of our supercharger systems on a town car just because it, you know, it's, it's like, you know, the grandpa in Florida is driving it, but it goes a million miles an hour. Yes. Sign me up. That sounds great. Be like the the rocket living room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Chris, thank you so much for your time uh, joining us today. Uh, can you give us your your contact media uh, contact information? How do we follow you on social media? That kind of stuff. Of course. Well, thank thank you first of all for having me on here and talking about Crown Vicks. I, I could talk about them all day. So, if anybody has any questions, definitely you can call us. Um, the phone number's on the webpage. Webpage is adtr.net. And uh, there's we've got contact forms on there. You can email us. And then you can also go on social media. We are on Facebook under adtr.net. 
or we're on Instagram at ADTR Performance. So uh, if you have any questions or interested in the cars, or if you have one and decide you wanted to start modifying it, definitely hit us up. We'd be more than happy to help you out. Perfect. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for downloading and subscribing to the Midlife Motorhead Podcast. Make sure to check out our main website at midlifemotorheads.com and all our social outlets, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.